but they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I got baptized at uh, Lake Minnetonka. Uh, I hit a couple backflips. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. My swag was having no swag. All right, everyone. Welcome in here to the Minnesota Sports Podcast on this Monday. It is February 7th, and Minnesota sports just keeping us entertained here. A lot of Viking stuff kind of breaking here over the weekend. Of course, it was Pro Bowl weekend. So to break down the game, we have our Pro Bowl correspondent, Ian Rivers, here uh, joining the podcast. And Ian, just give me your takes on that Pro Bowl. You were on the edge of your seat. You thought the effort was never better. Uh, Just really go all in. Well, I mean, you can't really blame them, can you? Because, I don't know, the NFL is not really set up like, the NBA or MLB or NHL, even for like an all-star game, it's too physical of a sport to really tell those guys, Hey, go out there and risk your bodies um, just to have fun, you know? Um, So I I don't really blame them, but yeah, it's kind of become a laughing stock. And yesterday was, I think the worst that I've ever seen it. I typically don't watch, but I was, I was at the gym and I I had it on the TV the whole time. (laughs) Oh man. Like Sean Taylor is spinning in his grave. Like that dude went all out rookie Adrian Peterson. Like that was a remember the him in the pro bowl that year. He was like plowing over people. Adrian Peterson's also insane, but yeah, it's, it's turned into something completely different than it was. And uh, I don't know, I guess if they embraced it and kind of like turned it into a, you know, seven on seven type flag football style thing. Um then I guess it could be more fun because right now it's, they're trying to act like it's still like a real football game and it's Mm -hmm. just kind of everybody's taken out of it. Yeah. You got to do something like I, somebody threw out the idea of like, uh, of course, everybody's like, we should make the worst two teams play in the pro bowl. And then the winner gets the number one. Like that's never going to work in a million years for multiple reasons. But remember that these are actual human beings. And that has got to be like one of the most humiliating things that you can do to those teams. (laughs) I think it would be great. Right. Yeah. Just set up an eight team tournament. You don't have to do just the bottom two teams. I think you could set up, you know, the the bottom eight teams and do a full bracket like that and play those games on Saturday, play the real playoffs on Sunday. But you're asking these grown men to play for the rights to a college kid. So it's like, it's kind of, you know, I don't think it would work practically, but a lot of coaching staffs are fired in that process. A lot of players. Like there's no way that that would ever work logistically. All right, we just went one in sixteen, but if you can get us the number one overall pick, you're you're able to stay. Like, <laughs> like, uh, like, hey, backup quarterback, play hard so we can draft this really good kid out of college instead. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So anyway, yeah, make it like a seven on seven. Make like offense play defense or something like that. Make it to where like nobody can play their actual position. I did think that was the most interesting part was when Stefan was playing corner and Trayvon was playing wide receiver. I, I thought that was the best part of the Pro Bowl. I was watching that. I'm like, wait, why did they have Stefan in there on defense? And I realized the NFC was playing Trayvon at wide receiver. I thought that was really cool. But, again, it's it's a small highlight in a way too long game. Yeah. Kirk should have thrown him the ball. It would have been interesting to see. But, anyway, right. uh, more interesting things to talk about here uh, than the Pro Bowl is uh, – the Minnesota Vikings have wrapped up their head coaching search, and it appears that they are going to uh, select Kevin O'Connell as the next 
head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. I talked about it extensively last week. I said the Vikings dodged a bullet by not bringing in Harbaugh. I was, I would have embraced it if it would have happened because like my fan brain would have turned on. But like at this, when I, when I heard the name Harbaugh come out, my first kind of, I head shook for multiple reasons and you can go back and listen to it in, in episodes through the previous week. But to, to summarize this, just for the direction the Vikings were going, it just didn't feel like Harbaugh was the right fit and they didn't go with Harbaugh. They went with Rams offensive coordinator, Kevin O'Connell checks a lot of boxes, whatever Ian rivers. What is your view on the Vikings head coaching search? Did they look at the right candidates? Were they thorough enough? Should they have hired Harbaugh? Just uh, let loose on your thoughts on the, on the long process to get to Adolfo Mensa and Kevin O'Connell. Well, I, I like the, the Mensa hiring. I think he's going to be pretty good. It's, it's tough to say. I think you've been throwing it out on Twitter a lot is that we really can't say before we see anything out of any hire, you know, we could hire Bill Belichick to be the head coach from the Patriots. Mm -hmm. And until we see him, we're not really going to know if he works in Minnesota. If, I mean, the odds are he's going to work, but like, you still don't know, like, you know, all these great offensive coordinators get hired every year to go be a head coach. And, Oh, they suck as a head coach, Pat Shermer uh, for one on the giants. And maybe it was more of the giants, but anyways, um, I do like the McConnell hiring. I said uh, a couple weeks ago when I was on here, I think we should go after an offensive guy kind of let loose with uh, cousins last year of his contract um, and you know, it seems to me like he wants to work with cousins contract and kind of go with that. And I, I, unless you're getting a surefire, better option than Kirk at quarterback, I think you kind of have to, especially if Rogers leaves the NFC, you have to run it back with Kirk this year and just go all in on offense. And I think that they did a good job getting an offensive hire. Justin Jefferson seems excited by it. Um, so I, I, I like the Kevin McConnell hire. We'll see how it goes. Obviously we'll know more once preseason starts, once we start seeing the types of roster moves that happen in free agency in about 35 days here or so. So it's going to be an interesting off season. It already has been for the Vikings. Um, but so far so good. I can't complain. I, you know, and I want to get your opinion on this here. You obviously are very notably a Michigan state guy here. Uh, so would you, what were your thoughts on, the Vikings and Jim Harbaugh. Did you think that was realistically an option? Could you have gotten behind that? Well, you know what? That's the thing. Like Harbaugh's been at Michigan now. And yes, I'm a huge Michigan stake. I'm wearing my Kirk Cousins jersey um, today. So I, I am a big Michigan State fan. And it was worrisome to me um, that he's not had a ton of success. This is the first year he's beaten Ohio State. He's one in five or two two and five, I think against Michigan state in his career or something like that. I don't think he's been at Michigan that long. That's probably incorrect, but he he's got a losing record against the two biggest opponents he has in the big 10. Um, but when you look at it, I mean, he's never had a season with less than eight wins at Michigan. I don't think um, other than the COVID shortened year. And in, even in the NFL, you know, everybody's bringing up, he brought the, the 49ers to a super bowl, but I think that was what 2012, something like that. It was a while ago. So the NFL has changed in 10 years um, and bringing guys back kind of like the Raiders did with uh, Gruden. And now that's a whole different story, but I was interested to see how it would have gone. Um, it would have probably meant the downfall of the university of Michigan. Not that they're a huge threat at, uh, at the current moment to Michigan state athletics, but it probably would have only gone further South. Um, but I, I would have been optimistic Um putting my Michigan state bias aside, I think it would have probably worked. Okay. Um, he's got weird energy though. 
very much. He, weird. he he's you know wearing the khakis and the the cleats to the job interview probably. Uh, so like he's definitely got a weird energy. It would have been polar opposite of Mike Zimmer, I think, um, in terms of the energy that they bring. Not necessarily maybe the style that they play because Harbaugh at Michigan has wanted to uh, run the football. They had two pretty good uh, running backs with Corum and. I'm blanking on the other guy this year, but um, they had a pretty good rushing attack. So they probably would have kept it similar style of offense. Um, but, you know, we'll see how it goes. Uh, that ship has sailed and we don't have to wonder, you know, if it would have worked or not. I guess we can. But I guess the only the only reason we would be left wondering at this point is if Mc, our O'Connell, I'm sorry, I feel like I've been calling him McConnell. If Kevin O'Connell doesn't work out, then we'll be wondering. But if he works out fine. We're not going to think twice. And, and, and I think you made a good distinction because Jim Harbaugh brings different energy than Mike Zimmer for sure. Uh, Cause I think everybody thinks older coach, they like to yell, they like to get in your face, but it's a very much different style. The energy that they bring. I don't know if you had a chance to hear the podcast where Alex Boone was talking about Harbaugh. It was a very interesting because those guys have a lot of the same energy. Alex Boone, former Vikings offensive lineman and Harbaugh played together, whatever. I think the players could have gotten behind it, but I think just with Kevin O'Connell, I think he checks a lot of boxes. He checks the, he's offensive coordinator. First of all, he's young. He played quarterback. There's a connection to Kirk cousins, but not too much of a connection to where you feel like you're tied to Kirk cousins. So I think that it just checks a lot of boxes for what the Vikings wanted to do, especially when you remember that end of the season press conference that was so telling with Eric Kendricks and Brian O'Neill, two captains, by the way, saying we need a guy who can just talk to us in the hallway and say, how's it going? How is, how are things? And Zimmer just did not get to be that way. And I think Harbaugh could have been that guy, but I think just his energy was weird. I don't think Harbaugh isn't Zimmer. I think to call Harbaugh Zimmer would be a lazy comparison, but I just think when you look at Kevin O'Connell and you look at what the Vikings want to do, they want you know, finding the next Kyle Shanahan, the next Sean McVay is the word everybody throws around, but everybody wants to find that young coach who can lead their franchise for a considerable future. Like Matt LaFleur is going to coach in green Bay for the next decade. Like they want that kind of thing. They want to find that kind of guy. I think Kevin O'Connell brings that now we've, he's only called place for a limited amount of time. That was in 2019 after the Redskins fired Gruden, uh, the then Redskins now commies. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I just think that with Kevin O'Connell, that it brings a new, it just brings a breath of fresh air with O'Connell and Adolfo Mensa. I think that's the biggest thing that the Vikings are going to have is a new set of fresh air, but we still don't know a lot. We don't know. We think maybe Mike Pettin's the defensive coordinator. Maybe not. We don't know who the offensive coordinator is going to be the quarterback coach. We don't know a lot still yet about what they want to do. I mean, there hasn't even been an introductory press conference. So I think time's still going to tell on what they're going to do. But I think O'Connell, O'Connell is still a risky hire. All head coach hires are risky, but I like my chances with Kevin O'Connell more than I like them with Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, and another another thing that, you know, you got to look towards is the youth movement of head coaches in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at all the head coaches that are all the rage nowadays. You've got the guys like Belichick and uh, McDermott out in Buffalo that are older guys that are doing a great job with their teams and Andy Reid. But the young head coaches, Sean McVay, um, Kyle Shanahan, um, Brandon Staley, the Chargers didn't have a ton of success this year, but he took the 
league by storm with all of his fourth down conversions and all that sort of thing. Um, you, you talked about Matt LaFleur, Zach Taylor out in uh, Cincinnati, who's now led them to a Super Bowl, which be careful, Cincinnati. Uh, if you win this Super Bowl, somebody was talking about that's going to be a Mike McCarthy situation with Zach Taylor in Cincinnati because they're not going to the- fire him. They're not going to fire him if he wins the Super Bowl. Hey, hey, but- look, I, I, I take the Super Bowl. Well, yeah, I would too. But like, you might be caught with a kind of a me- mediocre head coach that just got put in a good situation and that has a quarterback just saving fell him. right this year. Yep. So I, it's it'll be interesting to see. Maybe I shouldn't diss on him too early, but um, uh, yeah. So the youth movement and head coaches right now—it's all the rage. Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona, um, I, not that I think he's doing a terrific job, but young guys everywhere—they're all the rage. And so I think the Vikings kind of wanted to switch it up get away from kind of the older generation of head coaches, get a new guy in, see if he can tweak the offense, you know, get some, get some more life into the, to the lungs of the Vikings organization. And I think another thing to point out too, is the NFL isn't susceptible. Like corporations do it. Hollywood does it. Music does it. They all, they follow trends and they, they follow trends and they don't want to be left out on the action. So the Vikings, after having years of Zimmer, they won they swing a pendulum because before Zimmer, it was Frazier. And when Frazier got fired, they wanted a coach who would get in their face and require a little more discipline. Before Frazier, it was Brad Childress. And Frazier was a breath of fresh air because he was laid back and he was calm. And, and the pendulum swings back and forth. But with the trend of the young offensive coordinator is, again, like everybody follows the trend. And that's the trend in the NFL. Remember for a while it was the read option. And then even a few years ago was the RPOs and, and all this kind of stuff. It's a league of trends. It's a copycat league, whatever the trend is pointing in the offensive coordinator direction. And what really won, uh, what O'Connell did to really win over the Minnesota Vikings, uh, according to reports is that he had a vision for the franchise. And I think that's the biggest thing. I don't know what that vision looks like. I don't know. But I think the breath of breath of fresh air, I think the biggest question for McConnell, because uh, O'Connell, now you got me doing it. <laughs> but uh, the biggest question for O'Connell is uh, is his quarterback. And that's going to be the biggest question. Adolfo Mensa is the GM. You really only get one head coaching hire, maybe two if you're lucky, as a GM of a team. Spielman only really got one in Zimmer. Leslie Frazier was not his pick and he wasn't in charge enough to fire or hire Childress when he was there. So Zimmer was really his only pick. O'Connell is his head coaching pick. They both need to get this quarterback right, or there's a very good chance both of them are in some serious trouble. So I think the most, now the Vikings have said over the weekend, there was the report from Adam Schefter, Jeremy Fowler of ESPN just reported today that the Vikings would like to stick with Cousins. They didn't necessarily say extension, but they just said that they're like to stick with him, that O'Connell has worked with him in the past. He was the quarterback coach in Washington in his last season there. Um, All that kind of stuff. I don't think it means anything. I think that it's still just kind of a smokescreen kind of thing yet, but I also wouldn't rule out Kirk Cousins coming back. Ian Rivers, what do you think Kirk Cousins does? Is he a Minnesota Viking or is he traded in March? I think I think he's going to be a Minnesota Viking. I do. I don't, I don't see a way out of the contract. I don't, I don't know that there's a great option out there. I mean, I'm not, I'm not completely opposed to trying to get Baker Mayfield. If you really hate Kirk cousins, if you can get Baker and something else from the Browns and say, Hey, 
here's your quarterback. I, I think Baker was injured this year. I don't think he's great, but he's young. Um, he's still got a lot of room to grow. And if we can build a good team around him, you see what the Patriots are doing with Mac Jones, you know, in New England. And I think that's what we could do in the NFC, which is a weaker conference in terms of quarterback play right now. So we don't have to have a guy like New England might be kind of out of luck because they've got Mac Jones. And I think his ceiling is not as high as Allen, as Lamar Jackson, as Herbert, as Mahomes, as Burrow, all these guys that he's going to have to go through every year. But we don't necessarily have that right now looking forward into the future of the NFC. Otherwise, I don't know that there's a ton of ways out of this contract. So like I said, run it back with Kirk for a year. You've got the offensive guy now. And, you know, the, the, I think the biggest polarizing thing about Kirk has not been his play. It's been his contract and people cannot see around that contract. And so every, they're just looking for mistakes out of the guy. And so when they see something good, they're like, yeah, that's what he's supposed to do. He's a quarterback. He's paid really highly. But then when he makes a mistake, it's like, wow, you know, you fumbled the ball because your offensive line is Swiss cheese and you had about a half second to release it. What's, what are you doing? You know, there's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Cause I don't think it's over. I think they will try to shop him at the end of the day. I think he'll probably be back for his final season in Minnesota, unless he restructures his contract. We'll see how this year goes. Um, and if this year goes similar to this past season, then I think cousins probably walks, um, even if he doesn't want to, I don't think the Vikings will try to bring him back. But if, you know, we have a step up and we can win 11 games, I don't see why they don't try to restructure Cousins' contract, get him on less money and try to run him back. And if we have an offensive head coach, something that needs to be said is maybe we can get some offensive stability in terms of coordinators and play calling so that we don't have now this will be five different offensive schemes in five years that Cousins has been here. Now, granted, he's a veteran quarterback and, you know, it shouldn't be too difficult to learn. Um, a new playbook, but there's been something to be said about have, having a 22 year career and only four offensive coordinators for Tom Brady. That definitely helps. Yeah. And, and I think, like you said, I think the Vikings will shop Kirk cousins. I don't think either way, even if they do want to keep Kirk cousins, I think you still just explore the market. I think this year there's going to be such a quarterback carousel. There's the potential to be, but like every year we all hype up the carousel and then like nothing happens. Like last year, we all expected big shifts in the quarterback world and nothing really changed. Uh, so I think the same, more of the same this year. I don't know where, I don't know if Russell Wilson's going anywhere. I doubt Aaron. I'm going to believe Aaron Rodgers is going anywhere. Once I see it, I think, you know, Deshaun Watson, I'm not touching that, that whole situation. There's just so many different variables. Could all of them be moved? Sure. Jimmy Garoppolo is another one. Could all of these quarterbacks be moved? Derek Carr or whatever. There's a whole bunch of possibilities, but the real, how Baker Mayfield, like you mentioned, there's a whole bunch of scenarios that you could see themselves doing, but like how much better does it actually make your football team? Unless you're getting the biggest reason to get rid of Kirk cousins is the salary. Like you're is, is the salary for the quarter. Like if you're wanting to get rid of the quarterback, you're not getting rid of him for Jimmy G that's your, that's a lateral move. If not, you're going down. Like you're not getting rid of him for Derek Carr. Derek Carr is the same on a cap hit. You're not getting rid of him for like, uh, there's a whole bunch of different guys. You would trade for Baker because you'd probably ride out the contract and get a new quarterback. You'd trade, you know, for Wilson or whatever, for obvious reasons. But uh, I just think that there are so many moving pieces that 
the Vikings are going to be involved, but I still think that they won't be willing to move. I don't think Kwesi Adolfo Mensa in his first season as GM is going to be willing to sell his draft picks just to get Russell Wilson or something like that. I think they're going to try and build through the draft. This team has a lot of holes, by the way. People, I saw someone who was a Ryan Clark on Get Up on ESPN today. He was like, well, you know, Minnesota, if they could trade for Wilson, they have a decent defense and they have all this kind of stuff. And it's like, you didn't really watch the team. Like, you, like I, I don't know what to tell you guys. Have, the Vikings are really only going to bring back three of their starters on defense next year. Yeah, I mean, just, just because the defense improved from the historically bad season they had last year doesn't necessarily mean they were that good. And they really didn't even improve either. It was bad on all fronts, even though they spent a bunch more money. So, yeah, it's the, the point is I think Kirk Cousins stays in Minnesota. I think he stays in Minnesota, and I basically think Either it's Adolfo Mensa or it's O'Connell or both. They sit down with him or his agent and they say, look, we're not signing you to an extension this, this spring, summer, but we won't rule out you coming back. So what we want to do is we're going to take this whole year and we're going to figure out what we want to do with the team, whether it's the linebackers, the corners, the offensive line, whatever. This is going to be PJ Fleck term year zero. We're just going to take this year and figure out what we have and try and get through some bad contracts and try and kind of get through some draft picks and do everything, whatever. I think that's really what next year is for. And Kirk, you still have a lot of weapons on offense. You have a coach you're comfortable with, or at least are familiar with play hard. And if you, and you can show us that you're still the quarterback of the future and we'll give you an extension. And if not, you play your butt off and then you hit the free agent market. So I think, that's the thing. I think it'd be a mistake for the Vikings to re-sign Cousins before O'Connell has even practiced with him. I think you need to just play out this season. The quarterback draft class is not good this year. So I think you just sit through with Cousins, you go next year, and then you just kind of go from there. Because the Vikings, I think making the playoffs next season, going that Philadelphia Eagles route, I don't think that really does them any good. They need to just take a year and figure out what they have. And if they don't make the playoffs, they don't make the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a pretty good pretty good way to put it. Um because that's pretty much what the Philadelphia Eagles were doing, I'm guessing. It's just like, hey, we're gonna play our hardest and I don't think we're a very good team and we're gonna try some new stuff, but they made the playoffs and they got a lot annihilated. They never beat a team that made the playoffs this last season, but proving that their the seventh schedule, seed is a joke. Yeah, I mean we'll see because so far there's only been one competitive game of four. Um, and that was Colts and Bills last season um, came down to the last play. It was A.L. Mary. But, yeah, so we'll see what that ends up being. But like you said, I, I think the Vikings are going to probably just take a, take a look at what they have this year, um, try to keep it younger. Um, they've still got some, some other contracts on the team that they've got to figure out. And so it's going to be kind of one of those weird years because you don't have a lot of money to play with. So you're kind of stuck with what you got, except for the draft picks. Um, and it's going to be the most interesting thing is going to be once we hit free agency, what little pickups can we sign and and what are we going to try to do with cousins? Are we going to bluff teams? Are we going to try to see what's available? Obviously they're going to shop and they'd be dumb not to, if they can get an offer they like, they'll take it, but they'll see what's out there. I, I know people like there was the report that said, you know, that they want to keep Kirk or that they want, that they don't plan on trading Kirk. And, you know, everybody just kept commenting the picture of the Arizona Cardinals graphic that says, Josh is our guy. Like it means the team saying stuff doesn't really mean much right now because 
it's you don't know what they're just they're just like what are they supposed to say? No, we hate Kirk. We're trading him. Like that doesn't do him any good. So I I think that I think the Vikings do end up sticking with Kirk Cousins. But uh, last question here on the Minnesota Vikings, and then we'll move on is. Uh, with this team, is there us as we get closer here now to the off season? Is there a surprise cut you see coming, or maybe a player getting? Because uh, the Vikings are twelve million dollars over the salary cap right now. They got to clear about twenty million dollars just to even make a free agent signing. So, is there is there anybody like I know you probably haven't looked through the contracts or anything, but you know when you think of guys like Harrison Smith, you think of guys like Daniel Hunter. Um, you know, uh, just kind of those kind of players. Adam Thielen, uh, just a bunch of a bunch of those veteran guys. Is there anybody you see that becomes a cap casualty? I think that the most likely one would be De- uh, Daniil Hunter, and he's probably the best player on defense that we have. When, well, second best, I think. I think Kendricks is the best player on defense that we have. Um, when healthy, Daniil Hunter. There's the big. There's the big ticket item. When healthy, and now it's been two seasons that he hasn't been um, healthy, and so. It becomes a risk. Obviously, if they need to clear up money, they're going to maybe try to move off of him. See if you can get a trade deal, get a, you know, get a pick or something. I, I think that he would be one that wouldn't surprise me. It would be a little sad. We know how good he is, how good he was for us. Um, but if they got to move money, I don't think they move from Thielen. I think he finishes his career here in Minnesota. He's still way too valuable of a red zone threat um, and a third down guy that you, you can't move off of him, um, even though he is getting up there in age. Harry's getting up there too, but he still played well this year. He was a pro bowler himself. So it'll be interesting to see what they do to try to free up cap space. Um, maybe they don't cut any of those or trade any of those, you know, big contract guys. Um, maybe they just try to get rid of a few smaller ones um, and go from there. But I think that Daniil Hunter would be the one that shocked me the least. I, I think, and I didn't mention this one, but I think there's another one. I think Michael Pierce is another one. I think he has maybe one or two more years left on that contract. He's a guy who, of course, didn't play in 2020 because of the COVID year and then missed a lot of time this season because of injury. He's a guy where, you know, and he was a Mike Zimmer. He was a, I need a new Linval Joseph. I need a new three technique. If you bring Mike Pettin in, there's a good chance does the defense now turn into a 3-4. I much would prefer a four, three, but that's just me personally, but the defense could change how they're structured. In which case you don't really need two giant tackles because you really only need one. Dalvin Tomlinson still under contract for one more season. I think my, and Michael Pierce making a decent amount of money. I think there'd be a good shot. You could save it. Now I like Michael Pierce, but again, it's like you said with Daniil Hunter, he hasn't really been healthy. He's only played about eight games or so in a Minnesota Vikings uniform. So that's got to change. Uh, either he's got to play more or you got to cut him. So I think that could be a potential cap casualty there for the Vikings. But now let's uh, move on here. Unless there's any uh, Vikings things you wanted to get out here about O'Connell, uh, free agency, anything. And of course, that'll all get down the line. Lastly, here for the NFL, though, Super Bowl pick. Who's your uh, winner and score? Oh, man. I, I have a feeling something in my gut is telling me it's just, it's going to be the Bengals, you know? Um, but I think I'm going to pick the Rams here. I think they have a better team. They have a more well-rounded now they haven't like made a ton of deep playoff runs, but some of those players on that roster were there, you know, a couple of years ago when they went um, to the Super Bowl, And uh, I think they have a more veteran quarterback 
I think that this is a big, big game. Now, Joe Burrow, he's played a national title game. He, he, he's won a national title game, so he knows what that feels like. And I don't think – I think it's going to be a, a good game. I don't think one team is going to jump out on the other and just beat them down. But um, I think I'd have to pick the Rams. Um, it reminds – this this uh, Bengals team reminds me a lot of Auburn football from like 2015 or something like that uh, where Jameis – Winston won the national championship with Florida State. Um, and I just thought, oh, Auburn's had this magical season. They had a kick six. They had that game against Georgia where the tip ball went up, fell right into the wide receiver's hands, like miracle plays. They won the AC, or the SEC championship, and then they just felt like game short and lost to Florida State. It just felt like it was the season to be. I think that's going to be the same thing that happens to Cincinnati. I think they're going to come up just a little bit short of their fairy tale season. Um, I would be happy for the city of Cincinnati. Uh, if they were able to get it, the, that fan base does um, need one, just like the fan base of the Vikings does. But uh, I, I think I'd have to pick the Rams to win it. Did you see that stat? You know how like we always jump on the the Bengals for their playoff woes, but did you see that the Bengals, uh, the they've made their third Super Bowl now in franchise history, and all three Super Bowls uh, was all three of their Super Bowls uh, were before the Vikings, uh, basically. All three Super Bowls came after the Vikings made their last Super Bowl. So as we talk about all those Bengals, they sure have some bad playoff luck. They've been in the Super Bowl three times, the last, like in between the Vikings' last Super Bowl appearance and now. Like, I I don't know. Anyway, so point is, get a quarterback, kids. Uh, get a get, Joe Burrow's a dude, and we knew he was going to be good coming out of LSU. Like, there was that LSU team has to be considered off uh, side tangent. That LSU team, LSU team has to be considered one of the best college football teams of all time. Half their starters just walked into the league and became all pros, like without even thinking. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, like all that kind of stuff. So insane team. But I, and that's why I just got to go with the Bengals. I want Matt Stafford to get a ring and Aaron Donald. But outside of that, I don't really care about many of the people on the Rams. I, you know, maybe O'Connell, maybe get him his ring so he knows what it tastes like. I don't know. Uh, but I, man, I just, I think Joe Burrow's a dude. I, I, I was really high on Joe Burrow coming out of college. Like I, like, like, and that's not a hot take, but it's just like, I never was wavering on like Joe Burrow's going to turn Cincinnati around. He has that Andrew Luck effect. If he can just pull a mediocre team into being a Super Bowl contender. And even if he has a Zach Taylor as a head coach, uh, but I think Joe Burrow's just got some magic. I think LA's a better team on paper. I think they're more, I think they're better coached. I think they have a better special teams. I think they have all that kind of stuff, but Joe Burrow's a dude. And I think he just finds a way to win. And I think the defense makes plays when they need to, they make enough of them. They did that against Kansas city. Matt Stafford's been known to have a few brain farts here and there, a few errant passes. So like, I just think that Joe Burrow finds a way to win this game. And I think his legacy becomes cemented. I do. I mean, he could win another, he could not win another Super Bowl again and just be a first ballot hall of famer, just winning a Super Bowl in Cincinnati. So I think the Bengals win. I think though, it's something more like 24 or 27, 24. I think that's my final score. I think it, I think it is close though. Yeah, that's probably a pretty accurate final score. I could definitely see the Bengals winning it. Joe Burrow is just having this magical, like, last couple weeks of the season into the playoffs. You know, it, everything's falling into place at the right time for this team. So it, it it's going to be interesting to watch um, how the game starts. I think that's going to have a pretty big tell on it. But then again, maybe not because that Chiefs game started off horrid for the Bengals and they made it work. So it's going to be – 
one of the most refreshing Super Bowls uh, to watch in recent memories. So just like the NBA Finals of last year, we're, we're getting some new blood in the championship games. Speaking of that AFC championship game, that halftime, you just got to get fancy, you know, fancy like uh, you see that that halftime show. I know this is like a week and a half old, but like, what were they doing? Who Somebody at CBS is getting fired for staging that uh, for staging that. I don't know. But anyway, uh, moving into uh, another speaking of championships, moving into the Minnesota Wolves and Wild, who both uh, judging by the fan bases, uh confidence right now both are should be having parades going down minneapolis and st paul here about midsummer so um Ian, let's first talk about the minnesota wild they just got done with the all-star break here just quickly uh this is the best uh pre-all-star game record in team history the magicalness of this team or just how confident we are in them well surpassing the 2017 season just a few years ago uh is this a team that can win a stanley cup I, th- I think so. I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see how it goes in a seven-game series against a team because right now, you know, the only team we really haven't beaten consistently is Colorado, and obviously we'll have to go through Colorado pretty early on in the playoffs um, if we want to get there unless, you know, they get upset because it looks like right now the trend is that the Wild will be um, – the two seed in the central and they'll probably play the three seed, which looking like St. Louis or Nashville. And then we would play Colorado most likely in the next round. And Colorado's the deepest team. They're the most talented team, I think in the NHL, um, maybe outside of Florida. Um, but it, I, I do think we're a center. We're a centerman short of really having a, a roster that I'm a hundred percent confident in. But it's the same thing that we'll talk about in a, in a few minutes with the Wolves. How do you trade some of these guys? How do you how do you move off of this this chemistry that this team has? I mean, they're on a tear right now. I don't know exactly what the win streak is at, but it's like let's count them up: one, two, three, four, five, six, and then you know a loss in a shootout to Colorado, and then a couple more wins dating all the way back. We've only lost two games since you know the new year started and we had that stinker with four of our best players out against uh st louis uh we've only lost one game since then and it was in a shootout against the best team in the nhl arguably in colorado on the road in colorado so this team is on fire they've beaten some good teams in doing it they've beaten a couple bad teams in doing it but you know a 5-0 win over chicago and an 8-2 win over montreal that's what's expected from a team that's you know, got their sights set on a championship. And I think we might be one year ahead of our plan. I said after during the playoffs last year, it felt like we didn't have enough talent to keep up with Vegas. Um, and so definitely, even if we got past Vegas, we were probably going to have trouble with, you know, the Avs in the next round. And then, you know, but we're always going to hope. And so it felt like maybe next year we could get a couple of guys in. Some of the younger players get older. They have the more experience. And now this year would be even more competitive. And then I thought next year would be the opening of our title window. It seems like it's already open right now. I don't know what they would have to change. They're already playing so well um, without that big name centerman. Um, And I don't know how you would break up, you know, any of the current lines. I guess it would be good to put a a true centerman with Fiala and uh, Matt Boldy, who's coming and looked absolutely phenomenal. But other than that, like, 
this team is just really good. And it, it's scary, you know, cause you, you're used to it being in Minnesota, right? You're used to being let down in the postseason, And this feels like one of those things where we're going to have a great team, just like Edmonton did last year. Now, granted last year was weird. You only played the same six or seven teams, depending on what division you were in the whole season. And then, you know, you get in the playoffs and what, what happens. And so I'm nervous. I'm going to be nervous once the playoffs hit, but for right now, it's just fun to watch. This team is playing out of its mind. Uh, Kaprizov has been nothing short of phenomenal this year after the slow start in terms of goal scoring. He's still got plenty of assists. Um, and he's, he's like top 10, I think still in points in the NHL. Um, currently sitting third in the central, but that's only because we played like the least amount of games in the Western conference. So we'll catch up. And, uh, you know, if Colorado can drop a couple more points and if I don't know how we're going to stay this hot, but you know, if we keep playing well, then what we could end up challenging Colorado for that top seed, which would be phenomenal. If we could get that, I'd love to play. I'd love to play a wildcard team, maybe Dallas or one of those weak Pacific teams, rather than having to play St. Louis, who we are terrible against in the first round. That would be, I think, the worst matchup for the first round would be St. Louis. Be 2017 all over again, which wouldn't be fun. Uh, they bring my, they bring back Mike Yo just to coach that series. But uh, but I I think with this wild team, you kind of mentioned it, you kind of alluded to it there. There's not a game they go into where you're like, they're not going to win this game. There's every game on the schedule. You can look and say, they should win that game. They should win that game. They should win that game. And it's just so interesting how different this has been in a year. The wild were always good. They were always talented, but they were always streaky. Like they go on an eight Oh and one run. And then they would go on a run where they go like two, seven and two, like, and, and then you just be like, they look like a completely different team, the highs and the lows. What they've been able to do is they've been able to get rid of the seal. They've been able to get rid of the floor. Like they've been able to give themselves a solid floor while also still keeping the highs. And that's what a good hockey team is. And they're a good hockey team. Dare I say a great hockey team this season. And like we talked last about the wild about a month ago when they were in that spot. And I said, and we both agreed, they're going to be fine. Like they're a good enough team. Whereas years past, they go on that run and all of a sudden they go in a rut. And all of a sudden they're coming into the playoffs as a wild card team to get bounced in the first round. But this team looks like they can make a run. And I agree with you. Like it's hard to tell who to get rid of and who to keep and the, how many moves can you really make and all that kind of stuff. But man, they're going to be in a cap heck for a while too. So if they have a chance to win a cup this year before that starts and at least win one, man, I'll take it. So I don't know um, this while do you see, is there anybody on the market? The wild should be looking for in a trade or is it pretty much like there's nobody worth getting that is, worth trading for i don't know that the market is that wide open right now um because the trade deadline is still like another month yeah we've got time if we want to to make a move but um i I just don't know i I don't know that i want to make one of those moves you know this this team is playing so well right now and like you said we already go into every game thinking i mean we've got carolina coming up in a couple days you think i'm scared of carolina heck no like granted we're going to lose one of these games eventually probably but like i i don't think it's going to be any night like i can see it being tomorrow against winnipeg you know like we're going to lose some games there's still going to be some stinkers that make us think oh gosh what's happening but this team is deep and like you said they go on those runs like 
I, I was very concerned about this team uh, during that COVID break in the middle of December. Like they lost four straight games, including stinkers to the Kings and the Sabres and Dallas and uh, had a loss against Vegas in there. And then they had like two weeks off before the uh, outdoor hockey, the winter classic or whatever uh, stadium series. And they lost that game too. And since then they've been absolutely insane. And so I just, I don't know. I don't think the market is that wide open. There's nobody that jumps out at me that says, yeah, we got to go get this guy. Um, I, I think we're doing all right. Um, you, you mentioned it. We are in a pretty difficult cap situation, but I think that having guys like Matt Boldy come in and be absolutely phenomenal from minute one are a huge help to that because we've only got about three years left after this year of those contracts that we're trying to get rid of. Um, I think it's three years. Maybe it's two years after this year. I'm not, I, I'd have Something to look like at it that. to be sure. Um, but having Boldy and a guy like Rossi that can come up eventually. And we've got, we've seen Kaylin Addison be able to come up and, um, and, and what the good thing about Rossi's contract is he's not going to play enough games this year for Minnesota. Um, so his contract won't start until next year. And so you might have to say goodbye to guys like Nico Sturm and, you know, they might try to move Dumba um, in the off season. And Dumba's a guy that, you know, we've been talking about for a couple of years. I think he could be a move that we make before the trade deadline hits. Um, if, if we're trying to get a centerman um, because he's a deep, he's a decent defender. He makes some mistakes and it's, it's kind of, you know, he's one of those guys that's been around for so long. You'd hate to see him go, but at the same time, he's a, he's a disposable piece. I think at this time, uh, we have pretty good defenders around him um, anyways. And he is the guy that typically makes the most mistakes on the defensive core because he plays so offensively. And so that's going to lead to some holes in the defense and some breakaway opportunities. But I don't know. I don't think the market's super wide open. I think the wild stick with the, uh, what they have and, uh, you know, we got a decent stretch of games coming up. Some winnable games, two against Winnipeg within the next eight days. Uh, game against Detroit that should be easily winnable. Um, and then you got some tough ones against Carolina, Florida. Those are both at home, though. And then uh, going into Edmonton again, which we've already won there this year. Um, before we wrap up, yeah, we have a huge Canadian road trip um, towards the end of the month. We'll be in Canada five times between the 16th and 26th, uh, including a week-long stretch at Edmonton, Ottawa, Toronto, and Calgary. That's so, a lot of trips to Tim Hortons. It is, yeah. So it'll be interesting. You know, the Wild are just exciting to watch right now. They've got a lot of games in February, a lot of games in March um, to catch up to those teams um, that have more games played than them. So it's good that the Wild are a pretty deep team and we trust our third and fourth lines in the regular season to to help us through this, you know, so we don't have to put so many minutes on our top guys. But It'll be fun to watch for the rest of uh, February and March and hopefully well into April and May. Yeah, exactly. This this wild team is going to go far. And I think this wild team, I know in the past they haven't been able to win playoff series, but this just, they feel different. They are such a different team. And I think the first time I realized that, like I always kind of knew that, but the time that cemented in my head, I had the opportunity to go to that wild game where they played uh, Washington without Kaprizov and without Spurgeon and without all their top guys and they found a way to win 
in the stupidest way possible by getting an empty net goal score, a team scoring an empty net goal on themselves because there was a delayed penalty. And then just getting uh, Dean Evison being the king of the pulled goalie, uh, getting a score within seconds of regulation ending and then winning the game in a shootout. Uh, I just, I like, they had no business winning that game. Like we saw them, like, I don't know hockey that well. And I could see those guys skating out there and it's just, like they did not look like a team. They would look like they were outmatched and they still found a way to win. So this wild team can do anything. So I am, I'm, I'm so very forward looking very forward to watching this team play in the postseason, and we'll see what happens. But speaking of another Minnesota team, that's going to be in the postseason. I was hedging my bets on saying that the Minnesota Timberwolves are going to be a playoff team in the beginning of the season, even into December. I said, guys, let's like, let them prove it first. And I think, They've proved it, and I think the bottom half of the West is so bad. There's Portland is going to be a playoff team in that in that play in. They're going to be a ten seed. Portland, that team is bad. Which again, extending the playoffs, I don't. There's got to be some kind of limit. But uh, the Wolves are going to make the playoffs. They've won like four in a row. They have. They've got through a brutal part of their schedule really well in January, and they have a bunch of winnable games right now in February. So I think just. Ian, how far do you see this Timberwolves team going? Are they a team that can, are they going to be in the play in tournament or are they going to be a top six team? Well, it depends. Um, first of all, let me preface this all by saying how fun is it? I'm sure you've seen the tweets and everything all over Twitter and everything just to, to be worried about who's winning what games, not because we're trying to get the number one overall pick, but because we are trying to make sure we can make the play in. we're trying to get, Oh, Dallas is losing. Ooh, Denver just lost that. Trying to get that six seed, it's so much more exciting. Um, it's got the whole state buzzing. We've brought it up how many times, whether it's on this podcast or back in the day on R&B. The state of Minnesota has a fantastic basketball culture, and it's coming out right now. And like you said, a ton of winnable games. I think the ceiling for this team is the six seed, maybe the five. I mean, it depends on how healthy they stay. I don't know that we can get to the five seed. We did have a really tough schedule already this year, and we're three games over 500. We've got winnable games coming up. Um, and I think we have one of the easier schedules just we, to end the year. Mm-hmm. So it'll be fun to watch, you know, especially if some of those teams get, you know, a little injury prone. And if we can stay healthy, that's going to be a huge thing. But um, two back-to-back games against the Kings, a game against Chicago with who's been struggling without Lonzo. Indiana just traded Karis LeVert, one of their better players. Charlotte's always inconsistent, you know. And then there's going to be – there's a stretch later, what I was looking at, later on in the season that's going to be pretty tough. Um, you've got games against Milwaukee, Dallas, uh, Phoenix, Dallas, Boston, Toronto, Denver, all in a row in uh, late March, early April. That's going to be probably the toughest slate of games. Um, And it's going to be tough because it's towards the end of the season. So we better hope that we can keep staying consistent now and uh, keep ourselves in a good position so that, you know, if we drop some of those games, we don't fall out of, you know, we're not falling out of the play. uh, We're not falling out of the plane, excuse me. This team is is locked in. They're going to make the play-in tournament. It's going to be exciting. And you brought that up, and I think it's better. The NBA is more suited for a play-in tournament than, like, the NFL. Yeah. And I think, like, you can't really do an NFL wild card game because you'd have to give, like, 
the teams a whole week off, like an extra week to, to prepare, unless you're doing like a Thursday night game and then making them play again on Monday. Like, I don't, I don't yeah. think that would work that well either, but um, you know, the eight seed was already questionable in the NBA, like not very many eight seeds ever upset um, the one seeds it's happened. I've seen it. Um, I remember back when I first started watching the NBA, um, San Antonio got upset first round by Memphis was an eight seed. And then Memphis gave all they could to Oklahoma city in the second round. I think they took it to six, but it's rare that it happens because most of the time that one seed is just overpowering. And so, you know, why not let the 10 seed play the nine seed to see if they can get an extra game. And then they still have to win one more game from there. And it's just, you know, one game series. It's not like you're making them take a three game series into a wild card or something like that. So I don't think it wastes too much time. Why not? The NBA has always been a money grab league for the last, you know, five, six, seven years anyways. So I think it, it, and it makes, you know, it gives something for Sacramento fans to watch and for Timberwolves fans to watch because, you know, right now we're sweating. We're the seven seed. We're sweating with both LA teams behind us. Right now, if we've got to try to hold on to an eight seed to at least get some sort of postseason play, I think we can, and uh, I think we will. Hopefully this doesn't come back to bite me. I think we will make the actual playoffs. I think we'll get a series against one of the top teams in the West, and we'll probably take it to five just like we did with Jimmy Butler uh, back in the day. But I think it'll be more entertaining to watch us lose in five because we know that the future is bright. You know, we were already kind of like – well, what can we do to make this team better? We've already kind of got a bunch of big contracts on it back when we lost to Houston. So, and that was, that was a whole different debacle in that off season. So this is an exciting team to watch and uh, it's made me pay a lot more attention to the NBA than I'm used to. So the basketball culture here in Minnesota is great. This is fun. Uh, we got games coming up Tuesday, Wednesday against Sacramento and uh, man, I'm excited for the future of this team. Exactly. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, could you say, uh, Ian Rivers, that you have found your NBA religion again, thanks to Black Jesus? Yeah, uh, Anthony Edwards has given me that Derrick Rose uh, vibe because Derrick Rose is what made me fall in love with the NBA back when I was like, you know, 13, 14, watching him do his thing in Chicago. He was so explosive. And now, you know, Anthony Edwards has come in. He's been so phenomenal for the Wolves. And granted, there's players that are better than him in the NBA. And so, but he plays for, you know, my hometown team. So he also can't, isn't even old enough or just is old enough to buy alcohol legally. So, like, his ceiling is phenomenal. Oh, yeah. I mean, he he's out of this world. He makes Cat better. Like, I was so frustrated with Cat in the years past. Like, man, this guy kind of a bum like everybody loves him he is the best player on the team but i feel like he should be playing better and now edwards has taken so much pressure off of him that he's just looked phenomenal and when all those guys are healthy he's made delo look better malik beasley's coming off the bench he's got a nice role in this team we're 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 deep in terms of you know we've got guys coming off the bench we trust in vanderbilt and uh mclaughlin and mcdaniels and even uh Torian Prince is putting in decent minutes whenever he plays. So it's God, it's been fun to watch. It, it has been in the bench, by the way, was something that was a weak point at the beginning of the season. We didn't know how deep this bench was going to be. The wolves that, you know, Gerson Rosas got his butt kicked out of town rightfully, but we should give him a little bit of credit on putting this team together. Patrick Beverly, 
Um, also bringing in guys like Vando, bringing in guy drafting um, Edwards. And then I can't remember if it was uh, uh, McDaniels in the second round. I believe it was McDaniels in the second round of that draft. And then there was also signing Nas Reed. Like there's just a whole bunch of moves that they made that like he should get a ton of credit for. Now they're like flawed, obviously like they're very top heavy still. And like, uh, and, and obviously they're not to the, their talent isn't like golden state level kind of thing. But I think that the way that this team is constructed that we talked about it with the wild, I don't think you need to make any contract moves. I think your team is set the way it is because I don't think you're getting any better with any of the trades that you can make pre deadline. I don't think that there's a deadline trade. I think if you're going to get better, it's got to be in the off season when you can unload picks and when you can unload, I think making a trade in the middle of the season for this year isn't worth it. Wait until the off season, let these guys' values keep jumping because they're not going away. So I, and plus this wolves team just has chemistry. The biggest thing is like the wolves in 2018 made the playoffs, but like they were at each other's throats and it was tense and all this kind of stuff. This team just genuinely looks like they're having fun and it helps because you have Anthony Edwards there, but like these guys just have fun. They like being around each other. This is a team that has chemistry. They all know their roles. I just don't think you mess with that right now. Yeah, you can't. I I don't think there's anything you can really do to make a move. That's going to improve your team that much. Um, Unless we can get to like that five seed, Somehow, I don't think we're going to be able to be competitive enough against Phoenix or Golden State in the playoffs. And, you know, even teams like like uh, the Grizzlies, I don't think we're going to be competitive against them to, to win a seven-game series. So it, it'll be fun to watch, but I don't think there's going to be enough you can do. Did you see the tweet that said the, the Wolves are shopping Malik Beasley, I think it was, and, uh, yeah. and Pat Bev, and everybody's like – if we trade Pat Bev, this city will riot. And it's yeah. like, I, you can't, he's like you the, can't. the emotional core of this team. He's got these guys clicking. Like he's everything I, I in a veteran presence that they wanted Jimmy Butler to be. Exactly. Exactly. You cannot, I don't think you can possibly move off of uh, uh, Pat Bev right now. Like he's not a fantastic player, but he's, he's the absolute leader of this team on the court, you know, and, as he's letting Anthony Edwards grow into himself and, you know, Edwards isn't, isn't a super vocal guy. Like he's not a huge leadership guy. He might develop into that, but he doesn't seem like he's very charismatic and he's very, like, he's a funny kid. Like, Hey, hang on. I've got to finish my McDonald's order. But like, um, you know, he's, he's going to develop that leadership. Uh, He's only freaking 20 years old. So it's all coming into its own. Um, I think this team's got a bright future. I'm excited for the future. You know, we saw earlier this year, they started off, they were like, what, six and three or something like that. And it's like, wow, this Wolf team is actually decent. And then we went on that five game losing streak or whatever it was. And I'm like, there it is. There it is. And then they bounced back with a five game winning streak or something like that. And I'm like, wow. Okay. Maybe this team isn't actually that bad. And they've been pretty streaky all year. They're on a four game win streak right now with a chance to extend that. Uh, very easily so we'll see what happens it's going to be interesting I don't think they're going to do any worse than probably the seven or eight you know going into the play-in it depends on what happens I don't think Kawhi Leonard's going to play in the uh, regular season the Lakers seem like a tire fire even with LeBron in there so I mean unless they can rip off some games and they've got a tough schedule to end the season compared to ours and so 
I think we're set up for pretty good success and uh, we'll see if we can catch up to Denver and maybe even Dallas, depending on how they do too. I know there's only one real name that has popped up with the wolves and it's been Marcus smart. Um, And like they need, the wolves need rebounding help. I get it. They need a lot of help in certain ways, but like the, I just think that with the way that this team is constructed, like you're saying, don't, don't mess up, uh, don't mess up a good thing. So, all right, Ian, is there any other takes you want to get off your chest here as we wrap up this podcast? Um, there is one thing I wanted to touch on. It was Gophers basketball. Go for I it. I don't know how, how much you've been following them, but I just yeah. wanted to give everybody just, just settle down, right? I'm seeing a lot of people on Twitter really upset with the losses lately. And I think it's due to the fact that we went 10 and 0 to start the season or whatever it was. And then we, we beat a Michigan team that we thought was way better than it was to start big 10 play. So the expectations were way too high coming into big 10 play. I said, before the season started, I'll be shocked if this team wins double digit games, they're already at 10 wins or 10 or 12 or whatever. I think 11. It might be 11. They're two and nine in big 10 play. And everybody's like, every night, it's like, oh, that was a winnable game against Iowa. It's like, uh, I mean, we knew this was coming. The only reason we're shocked is because we we think that we're supposed to be better than we are because we went 10-0 and 0 instead of, you know, 6-4 and 4 or 7-3 and 3 in non-conference play. And so I think everybody got their expectations up a little bit too high. Let Ben Johnson work. He's a heck of a coach. He's, he's going to be around. Let him time. Like, give him time to get some of these guys in he did a fantastic job in the transfer portal this year but we're not very deep at all Luke Lowy is starting for this team he shouldn't be he should be like an eighth man but that's that's what he's been given to work with after pretty much everybody in the program transferred out he's gonna get recruits in here from Minnesota maybe they'll stay maybe they won't I mean heck college basketball is becoming just like the NBA with how kids move around all the time now with the transfer portal and stuff like that. So we'll see if he can adapt to that and overcome. And maybe these guys actually want to stay and play for him, but don't get the expectations up too high. We're not going to make the tournament. We might not even make the NIT. Um, I just wanted to kind of curb everybody's expectations and say, relax, let's not jump the gun on Ben Johnson or anything because he's still doing a good job with this program, regardless of how mediocre they've been in big 10 play. Well, I think they were going to be at this record regardless, even if like they weren't a good team, like even if Ben Johnson wasn't a great coach, I still think they end up at 11 and nine or wherever they're at now, because that's their schedule was so cupcake in the non-conference that like, yeah, but it's the way that they've been in the losses. They gave Michigan state a run for their money in East Lansing. They gave Wisconsin a run for their money in Madison. They, I mean, just, they played Iowa tough twice. I mean, outside of Illinois and Purdue, they've been in every single loss. And even though the Mississippi State was a good win, Pitt was another good win. So like I, like you said, Ben Johnson is proving that he's not just a good recruiter. Because by the way, his one his prized recruit was Amir Coffey, who's in the NBA doing pretty darn well for himself right now. So like I, I he's going to be a good recruiter, but he's a good coach. Like he's a good schemes. He puts guys in the right spot. Go and by the way, other Big Ten coaches, Izzo, um, uh, the guy for Illinois, his name escapes me, uh, Underwood, uh, all like uh, coaches around the Big Ten, they are they like go out of their way in post game press conferences to say Minnesota's in a good spot, like they have a good coach in place. You give them a few years, they're going to be trouble for us around the conference. So, I, yeah, I'm with you on that. Like, ignore the losses. This year is again the PJ Fleck year zero thing, like this year doesn't matter. Like just get through this year, get your culture in place. 
the Gophers, I'm not going to say they're going to like run the big 10 in five years, but Ben Johnson's going to get them to just, he's going to get them to a respectable level in one of the best basketball conferences in the country. And he's going to recruit in state because he did what his predecessor would never do build relationships with the AAU coaches in town. So yeah, go for basketball is in a good spot. Yeah. You mentioned just real quick, you mentioned those two wins against uh, Pitt and Mississippi state, which are power five conference teams, Mississippi state sitting at 14 and eight eighth place in the sec. So that's our best win by far Pitt, on the other hand, a measly eight and 14 on the season. Their program has fallen off immensely in the last six, seven years. I mean, they were pretty good back in the day, but mm-hmm. so it's a work in progress. Like you said, the big Ten's a tough conference to be competitive in year in and year out. Michigan state's been one team that's been able to do it pretty consistently besides last year. Um, and that's really the only one everybody, everybody else kind of has up and down years. Um, other than, you know, gosh, Illinois recently, Wisconsin's been probably the only other really consistent one, and they still have mediocre years. Um, Purdue, I guess, would be the other one that's been pretty good for pretty long since Matt Painter got there. But anyways, that's my tangent about Gopher basketball. Pump the brakes. This season was always going to be the year zero. All right. Well, Ian Rivers, thanks for joining us to talk all Minnesota sports. Of course, one of the good friends of the podcast here. Always great to talk with you, and you can come back on and chat with us anytime. Happy to be here. All right. That'll do it here for this episode of the Minnesota Sports Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening to the Minnesota Sports Podcast. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Be sure to leave a five-star review and share the podcast on social media to help spread the word.